This is Mornings with Ian Smith, minus Smithy, Daniel McCarty with you through to midday. Uh, now that I've climbed down from the dais, let's head to France to catch up with one of the finest voices in all of rugby commentary, working for Rugby World Cup Radio. It is our dearest friend, Mr Nigel Yeldon, who I can't think of too many others who would be more excited about the group of quarterfinals we have ahead of us this weekend. Four evenly poised quarterfinals. I don't think we've ever had this in the history of uh, Rugby World Cups before. He will be the proverbial pig in the trough. He might even be more excited about the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal lineup than he is about the Meads Cup final. Are you Nigel Yeldon? No, 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 don't you throw, don't you go there, son. You know I'm all about my butcher boys trying to go down and break the dynasty in Timaru. Just stop it. Just stop it, son. <laughs> Question is, do we talk about that game now or at the end? Look, let's get it out of the way now. It's yeah. going to be a tough ask because Nigel Walsh has done an amazing job with South Canterbury. It is a dynasty. To go down there and break that dynasty would be one of the better achievements in Wanganui's Heartland Championship history. And let's be honest, we have been one of the dominant forces in yes. Heartland Championship rugby. So it's going to be a massive task. I know my beloved Butcher boys will be up for it, but you've got to tip your hat to Nigel Walsh and the Green and Blacks and say, if we're going to do it, it's going to be tough. But as Ric Flair likes to say, to be the man, <laughs> you've got to beat the man. So they've got to go down and beat him. I love that. Uh, and I know you've got lots of admiration for South Canterbury. I think they've come from behind at halftime five times this season. They just don't know when they're beat. Yeah, they don't, they're, they're quality. And as I say, Nigel Walsh, He's just done a fantastic job. The union as a whole has done an outstanding job. And you know, I think when you look across the entire Heartland Championship, I just think it's it's just been growing really nicely. I know there is a, a reasonable amount of information sharing from those Heartland unions. And it's just a good rugby competition, Daniel, That which I've been telling yep. you pretty much since I met <laughs> you about two decades ago. <laughs> All right, let's get a Rugby World Cup. You're going to be at the glorious Stade de Marseille with about 68,000 others. What an amazing venue it is, hosting two quarterfinals, two quarterfinals in Paris as well. We'll talk about the two games that uh, you are covering for Rugby World Cup Radio, but let's talk about what New Zealanders want to talk about, the All Blacks and Ireland. The All Blacks have announced their team uh, Nigel, uh, the former newsman, or the current newsman that you still are. There, there, there's a few angles there, and it starts off with the most salacious one. Mark Delia uh, dropped due to uh, breaking team protocols. Yeah, but, I mean, this is no surprise. I mean, we, we know how uh, strong in terms of discipline and um, accuracy and commitment to these, these sort of things. It, it's become the All Blacks ethos. It was the All Blacks ethos throughout Twenty uh, throughout the, the decade of dominance between 2010 and 2019 under um, Mrs. Hanson and, and Henry. So, you know, it's it, it, it does not surprise me um, whether you miss it by a lot or a little. There are standards that you have got to be held to. Um, ask Kevin Mialamu about this. Ask Sam Whitelock about this. Ask Dane Coles about this. These are the people who drive those standards and have driven those standards. So um, it, it comes as no surprise that for something, as I say, it may be minor, it may be significant, we will never know, but you breach that, that is the, the standards that the All Blacks hold high, whether it's a World Cup quarterfinal, would have been the same, I think, for a semi-final or a final. That's the standards they hold players to. Interesting. A disappointing for him, a disappointing for the team, because he's been yep. a really good story in 2023, both in Super Rugby and then sort of 
the door was only slightly ajar, I felt, when, when uh, Fyanganuku gets that injury sort of earlier in the year. But Talia made every post to win a he'd be kicking himself hugely. But as far as what the All Blacks lose and might possibly gain in other aspects with switching over these wingers, how did, would you explain that? Well, I mean, look, we know Mark's got brilliant feet. He's got great acceleration. He's got a brilliant fend. We know he can be physical, uh, but we know that Leicester has got pace and power, and he can just run straight through the back of your spine if he so desires. So I think there's that variation to it. I do think Leicester probably a little bit stronger in the tackle, um, good at getting over the ball as well. So maybe in terms of a different style of attack that you're going to get, I would almost go, you know, you've got your classic case of, yeah, it's a power winger versus a stepper, even though Mark does still have that power. I think maybe just slightly better defensively I, I would say in Leicester Whanganuku, we know he can also play centre as, as well. So that's the reason why I feel he's maybe uh, slightly better in terms of uh, the defensive qualities. Um, but look, very little in the mark, probably better in the air. Um, so, yes. you know, I, I think, you know, it's it's really horses for courses. I still think Mark would have been picked if he had not done this little infringement. But I don't think New Zealand lose a lot as Whanganuku has been playing some very good rugby in recent times. Uh, let's get to the bench, and I'm going to go to an area maybe the audience will be surprised with, because I know the reaction across SCNZ is focused in on one man. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to talk about two men who have missed out. I'm quite surprised Offa Tonga Fasi and Nepo Laulala have missed out on the bench to the likes of Tamaiti Williams and Fletcher Newell. Uh, I, I look at this as maybe the All Blacks looking to limit errors. Tonga Fasi has handling issues. Um, Laulala has... Um, uh, what's the right word? Phrase. He, he can miss one-on-one tackles probably at a rate uh, I don't think he or the team is satisfied with. Uh, are you as surprised as I that they've gone down a different path and left both those out? No, no, I'm, I'm not. I also think that you're looking at a mobility issue as well. We know that Ireland are very good at exploiting um, tight forwards, particularly out in wide channels or trying to get to points of the field where they can get a back onto a tight forward. Um, I think if you go back and you look particularly at the second and the third test of the series last year, Ireland had some very good success at that. And I know there's some very good analysis rolling around on social media and and other such portals as well that highlight that. And I think it's just the, the better athleticism as well of the younger guys like Newell, like Williams, um, getting your front starting front row back to full strength with uh, Ethan De Groot and Tyra Lomax helps that massively as well. Um, but yeah, there is going to be a, a, a lot of pressure on particularly Tamaiti Williams, um, who's going to get this particular run. So I think that's the other thing too. I think they just like maybe the the increased athleticism, even though the other two guys have been solid at set piece. Yeah, yeah over 100 test matches between those two, not in the 23. Yeah. Um, on the bench, Finlay Christie gets the nod. That's who I was referring to as far as the SNZ audience here. One thing I did notice, Cam Roygaard, he made a few errors in the last game. Do you think that is the reason? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I was really disappointed with the speed of his pass. I thought Cam's decision-making wasn't good against Uruguay. I thought he sniped way too much, particularly when there really wasn't the opportunities that we have seen them exploit previously for the All Blacks and also for the Hurricanes as well. I think it came down to decision-making. Not having been at the press conference uh, in Paris, I I thought maybe decision-making 
option taking, speed of pass. Those are the things I thought where he'd been so good previously. I just thought he, I guess, went off script a little bit. I just thought he went a little bit off script. And um, I think it was quite significant what I thought, even though I had the bonus point by half time against Uruguay, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very shoddy 40 minutes of rugby from the All Blacks at time, apart from a, a, a couple of wee moments of individual brilliance. I think as a collective, I think it was a bit disappointing. And unfortunately, I think just Cam's pass needed to be a little bit crisper. He just needed to make better decisions. And I think that's the reason why they've probably go down, gone down the Finlay-Christie route because Finley will get to the base, he'll clear, the pass is crisp, and defensively he's really solid. He doesn't pose the same sniping threat or he hasn't shown the same sniping threat as Cam Roygaard has. I think that's probably my reasoning as to why maybe they've gone down that route. Uh, Nigel Yolden is with us live out of France. He is at the Rugby World Cup uh, on behalf of Rugby World Cup Radio. He's calling out uh, two of the quarterfinals. Uh, we'll get to those in a moment. R- Nigel, just become the rugby fa- just become a rugby fan now. Uh, let's just be rugby fans, right? We eye the All Black side, and then we th- th- then we look at Ireland: Porter, Furlong, Sheehan, Byrne, Henderson, Omani, Flair, Doris, Gibson, Park, Sexton, Arky. Do I need to go on? How good is this going to be? Like seriously, it's how be good great. is this going to yeah, be? It's, it's yeah. going to be seriously great. And like, if you you sat down and you did like, okay, let's let's do a t- team of pool play. You've probably got at least four, at least five Irish players in there. I would have thought Ty Byrne would have been in the mix. Um, Gibson Park, arguably the best halfback. Sexton's been great at ten. Arkey at twelve. Um, I think you could look at you know the likes of you know. Uh, um, Keenan at the back has been outstanding. Um, you've got the world's greatest gardener and Peter O'Mahony, the emotional leader <laughs> of that Irish team. Um, so look, they 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 know each other very well. They've been together for a long time. They understand all of their structures. They know where they need to be. They know what the adjustments are. They know where they need to be when things change in front of them. Defensively, the structure is outstanding. Great experience, great togetherness, um, and, and and a very different mindset as well to what we have seen from other Irish sides. And I think what um, Andy Farrell has done and should be getting massive credit for is the belief that he's given this particular team. They don't seem to be worried about any situations. They seem to thrive in the moments of pressure. And I think they really proved that against South Africa. I thought you know, that was a massive physical test for them as much as mental, and they passed that with flying colours. This game, for me, whilst we know it's going to be a physical battle, this is the first massive mental hurdle that Ireland have to get over. They've got to get past this quarterfinal curse, if you want to call that. And they have been well and truly primed by the coaching staff, by Andy Farrell and all the sports staff. They just look at an absolutely awesome spot to be able to do that. Ireland know themselves very well. We know what they do. What they do, they do it oh so well. Tactically, though, yeah. from the All Blacks' perspective, what do you expect from them? Well, they've just got to get forward dominance. They've got to get forward dominance, and that will be, allow the All Blacks to play the game they want. They want to get the ball to midfield, and they want to work play off Geordie Barrett. We saw that early on in the Rugby Championship. They want to get that ball preferably let's say it's a line-out. They want to get the ball middle or back. They want it down to Aaron Smith moving away 
so that he can get width in his pass and they want to get the ball to midfield as quickly as possible using Geordie Barrett as the guy that you run play off. Now, whether it's a short ball, whether it's a going into contact and setting a platform and a target, that's the key. It all comes back. Daniel, I'm going to bore your listeners to death. It's a cliche for a reason. It starts up front. The All Black 8 has simply got to out-muscle, out-passion, be quicker, be faster to all areas. If a guy is going and carrying the ball, the cleaners have got to be there. You cannot give Ireland the opportunity to get over and jackal the ball. Bodies have got to be shifted. They have to be razor sharp on every single thing they do. If they do that, it allows the backline play to develop the way the All Blacks. It's how they did it in the first test against Ireland at Eden Park. They were trying to move the ball wide. Again, trying to get not two men out, but trying to get it three. This time I think they're going to try and get it out to that midfield, particularly off set piece, and that is when the play is going to develop. They're going to want to build phases, and they're going to just want to continue to work and grind and back their skills. I love that. I think you've channeled every defensive coach that you've covered. I, I heard shades of uh, Shag in there, but a Coventry, definitely Richard Watt. There was different, definitely a bit of Richard Watt in that. Excellent. Uh, but you're so right. It is a cliche, but also the way the All Blacks play. There, there is an impetus on that number eight to actually lay a platform. You can't go wide. You can't go wide and, and yeah. spread the play if, if you're not getting uh, some change out of the top. Let's breeze across these other games. Um, <laughs> France, South Africa, breeze across. Listen to me. Like we could spend 40 minutes talking about this game. Um, what, is it panic stations, Ari Dupont in France? No, they seem all pretty calm, and more importantly, he seems pretty calm as well. You know, we were having a discussion about this, and it's been lovely as part of the the role I'm doing here to be able to sit down and and just talk rugby with some very, very good rugby minds, including one Joel Stransky, who I know you know very well, and just them talking (laughs) about, you know, how how big is it going to be for a guy who's going to be playing, obviously, with with the plate? Well, he's... DuPont's going to be defending a lot and behind the line anyway. So he's going to be more of an organiser. He's not going to be front line. If he takes off and runs, that's where it's going to be. Now, obviously, look, even if you get tackled in the chest and you get thrown to the ground, that's going to reverberate all the way through your body, including up into your face and into that cheek. So it's as much about his mental toughness as his physical toughness, to go back to that side of things. But but they just have so much belief in this guy, and he is giving them so much belief as well. So if he gets named, which I think we're all expecting him to, it's a massive fill-up for France because uh, whilst, yes, he's got some very, very fine deputies, they're not Antoine Dupont. They are not the guy who just helps, you know, infuse his teammates with even more confidence than they already have. So no, the French public at this stage aren't, very concerned because at the moment they are not being given any cause to be concerned. They're giving more reason to be very positive about the Pons involvement. You know me, I'm way too emotional when I make predictions. Uh, I just can't I just can't help but think of the crowd that I got to enjoy at Stade de France, France and New mm. Zealand. It was so loud. It was ridiculous. I just can't not think that will help the French just grow three, four, five extra feet. They, they're going to start with 24 players. Uh I've got them winning. What, you're far more measured and analytical. What do you think? Yeah, I've, I've got France winning as well. Um, I think they have got the forward pack to be able to be combative against 
the Springboks. The, the Springbok pack, yeah, in terms of numbers, they haven't been as efficient as what you would think yeah. they would have been. Uh, up front, I yep. think like their scrum's only around 80%, their line-out's below line 90 that, that just yeah. never happens. Just never happens. So I think that's one area where I think, you know, France seemed pretty onto it with regards to their particular set piece. There'll be an area where they may even look to to pressure. And then I think they've got they've got the patience. They, look, they kick. They kick a lot. They'll, there's going to be a bucket load of kicking in this one because we know France don't mind giving the ball away and backing their defensive line. And we know that with the pattern that South Africa play generally, they go through three phases and then look to kick on the fourth. So I think there is going to be a lot of kicking in there. And then it comes down to, look, you know, who's got the the better individual game breakers? I think just more as a collective, I think there's more fluidity in that back line from France than there is for South Africa. The, the key player, though, for me, in terms of how this game is going to go, it's Andre Pollard. It's, he, if he's back up to speed in terms of his tactical play, I thought he was good when he, we've seen him in the World Cup coming back into it. If they name him, and, and I think they should because he's still one of, if not the best first five in world rugby, in my personal opinion. Um, I think he can be massively influential, but I'm still going to lean towards lean towards France. I, ju- I just get the feeling that, like, like Ireland, they've done so much investment in getting into the right space, having the right culture. You think of all that work that Rafael Ibanez did when he came down to New Zealand and took it back and getting everybody onto the same page in French rugby. And I just think that this, again, this is a different French outfit than what we have seen historically. And so I think they can get the job done. Couldn't agree more. We don't have a whole heap of time, Nigel, and I'm not doing these two games justice, the ones that you are calling. Uh, but clearly in New Zealand, those two games really are, um, you know, firing us up as far as fans. But the other two, are ch- there's, there's so many ways to look at these as far as picking a path to a winner. Uh, I think England... I think England will get the job done against uh, Fiji. I thought Fiji looked a little bit league-weary. I know they made some changes. Um, gee, they've, they, they push themselves. They keep the ball in play so much, don't they? They play the game with, with such sort of passion, and I've got so much admiration. But I just, I still look at that English side on paper and go, you're a lot better than you've shown us, and I think they'll win. Well, I've got Wales winning the other one as well, Nigel, in another close game. Yeah, I think it's interesting. England's a fascinating one. I read a great great uh, um, comment online. I think it was by Squidge Rugby, basically saying they they are stubborn, and England are very stubborn, and they could stubborn their way into a semi final and even a final possibly. Um, I think that's a big ask myself if they were to get past Fiji. Fiji, interesting, weren't the favourites against Wales, just about beat them. Weren't the favour favourites against Australia, and beat them. Clear favourites against Georgia and Portugal. Lost one, could have lost it with a, a, a final big Georgian sweeping movement from their own goal line in the final minutes and got tipped up by Portugal. I think the fact they're not going to be favourites are going to help Fiji. Naitha Levu has to play. If he doesn't play, I think that would be a massive out for the Fijian team. But I think they're going to enjoy just not being the favourites for this one. An opportunity to go in there. They know they can beat England. They've done it recently. They did it just over a month ago. I think it'll be fascinating, but again, I'm a little bit with your line of thinking. I think England, this is the kind of rugby they'll play, lots of kick. They'll take the three points. Happiness is divisible by three for English rugby, I think, (laughs) come Sunday morning, New Zealand time. Yeah, and Wales defend well. Uh, They control position at a pace they're very happy with. Uh, They've got Captain Jack Morgan, who's just been incredible, I think, uh, this tournament. So, yeah, I I think Argentina get eliminated. So, um, oh, wow. 
That, that's a lot of Southern yeah. Hemisphere sides uh, missing out on the semi-finals. Yeah. Nigel, it's an absolute treat to hear, to hear your voice, mate. I know it's been a long tour for you. Keep up the fine work, mate, and enjoy those quarterfinals. Enjoy that stadium. It looks incredible. Always a pleasure, my man. Go well.